Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Hilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, it's Daphne and Ilaria. Welcome back to Mom Brain. Today's guest, we are both super pumped about. It's Reagan Moya Jones. You guys might not recognize her name, but you will definitely recognize her company, Aiden and Anae Baby Blankets Bonanza. Literally, I have like a million of them. Between the two of us, Ilaria and I think have single handedly sold out this entire line of every. <laughs> their baby blankets are made from muslin, which now feels very commonplace because it's what everyone uses. But um, when Reagan introduced the muslin baby blanket, it wasn't a thing in America. And she has grown Aiden and A to a hundred million dollar global brand that she literally started at her kitchen table. As a then mother of one, pregnant with another on the way, now mother of four beautiful girls. And we cannot wait to get into it with her talking all about Aiden and Anae, her new book, What It Takes, How I Built a $100 Million Company Against the Odds, and um, Life After Aiden and Anae. She's recently moved on from the company, and she's starting a pretty sick venture that you guys are going to love. <laughs> she um, is now on to alcohol, which I feel like is full circle, right? We started with uh, uh, blankets, yeah. and now and when she has teenagers, she's into alcohol. So St. Luna... Not for the teenagers, for the mothers of teenagers. <laughs> yes, not Teenagers, we're not endorsing teenage drinking here. No, no. No, no. Um, so St. Luna is a um, luxury moonshine. I know, which I'm very curious about. I'm so into it. I'm really, I don't think I've ever had moonshine to drink. I never heard of it before. I thought when she said, moon, when she talks about moonshine at the beginning, I'm thinking she's actually talking about the moon, moon shining. Moonbeams. Moon this is because <laughs> we have very small children. <laughs> I will know very well what moonshine is by the time Carmen is 15 years old. <laughs> Here's our conversation with Reagan Moya Jones. Okay, Reagan, can you, in 30 seconds or less, give us your bio? Sure. I'm Reagan Moya Jones. I am the mum of four beautiful girls. I am also the founder of Aiden and Danae, the baby product brand that is now known globally. And most recently, I am also the founder of of St. Luna Moonshine. So Hilaria and I have children under the age of five. Right. And you have four of your own, and their range is what? 15, 13, 11, and 8. Okay, and all girls. All girls. And all raging estrogen. Lots of drama in the house. <laughs> lots and lots. Well, tell us. I mean, you have the experience. What is the, what's the biggest difference between having little people who rely on you for their physical needs and bigger people who rely on you for their grand emotional needs? Yes, and that's truly what it is. You know, it's, um, you know, I'm not negating how damn hard it is when you're raising, raising multiple children when they're little because it's just non-stop constant but I don't need to tell you girls that because you're in it and um, you know it gets easier in that you know like when I've had a few too many cocktails on a Friday night I can actually sleep in on a Saturday now because even Amelie Rose (laughs) who's eight can get up and pour herself a bowl of cereal and doesn't need me to be up and functioning and so I can lay in so that's a huge plus you know Um, but it is it's it's fascinating to me though how much more I feel I'm needed to physically be there for the girls now that they're older. And it is all emotional, especially the two teenagers. How old were your kids um, when you thought, you know what, I'm going to, I have this idea for a business. Mm -hmm. I need it in Mm -hmm. my life. Um, And how old were they when you started in in Aiden and A? 
how did it begin? Take us to like the first night you were sitting at your dining room table and your husband and you were chatting about this idea and how did it begin? Well, I didn't tell my husband. <laughs> well, well, see, I, you know, this is so interesting to me. So many entrepreneurs I've spoken with have said, if you have a great creative idea and you're really passionate about it, but you're not necessarily the expert yet, or even if you are, mm-hmm. don't tell anybody about it because fledgling creative ideas can be derailed so quickly by people, even well-meaning people, mm-hmm. giving you unsolicited advice, solicited advice, whatever it is, that will cloud your thinking, take you off course, dissuade you at the outset. It's almost like it's a flower bud, and it's so easy to crush it in that infancy moment. So I so think that's true. so interesting. And I did that. I didn't tell people because I told a couple of people and they were very negative. Oh, don't go into wholesale, don't go into retail. So I just worked out very quickly, best not to say anything. So I'm just going to do this quietly in the background. And it wasn't until I needed a chunk of money out of our bank account that I sort of said to my husband. <laughs> By the way, this under, is what I've been doing. <laughs> and, and my husband, who's an electronic engineer and, you know, two MBAs and the complete antithesis to me, you know, he's the academic, was like, well, where's the business plan? I'm like, there's no business plan. I just it's have a really good idea. idea. Feel it. Well, I mean, Feel it, you spe- know? speaking of that, I mean, I have probably like, I would say 400 of your blankets. Right. And they're amazing. I mean, you get given them from everybody. Mm-hmm. And the, the, these are like the most amazing cotton blankets. And what's incredible is Every baby needs to be swaddled when they're little and they sleep better. So that right. makes everybody happier. Mm-hmm. And then also if they spit up or poop on it, the, that explosive newborn poop, you're like, okay, I'm just going to put it in the wash. And they wash really easily. And then you grab another one out of the drawer. I mean, it's really, it is a genius idea. But how did you have that confidence? You know, I, I, you talk about how you didn't want to talk about it with people because they were negative. But like, it's just that, that inner confidence and being super settled of like, this is a really great idea and I'm not going to listen to anybody or talk to anyone about it. Well, I had uh, I had my fears and, you know, I'd, I wasn't sort of like, oh, I'm just going to build a $100 million business with these blankets. You know, there wasn't that. I believed 100% in the product because I was a mum and I knew how indispensable they were to me. And to be clear, I didn't invent muslin. So this is an Australian thing that I feel like Americans just didn't know about before. They didn't know anything about it. And I had I was wrapped in muslin in the sixties when I was a baby. It had been a part of our culture in Australia for as long as I could remember. And my sister Paige, she had my nephew six months before I had an A, and she was using them and you know, I, I went to my sister and said, okay, so what's, tell me what I absolutely need for this baby. And, you know, first thing on the list was the muslin blankets. So it wasn't until I had a nay though, that I realized how indispensable they were. So there was never any doubt in my mind about how great the product was. And I saw an opportunity in that no one in America had ever heard of it because I went looking for it in America to use on an A. And just didn't exist. So that was my aha moment because, one, my sister had told me how indispensable they were. I knew every Australian used them and they just didn't exist here. So, but in terms of the confidence to do it, I was just putting one foot in front of the other for, you know, ever. You know, it was never, but I truly had an unwavering belief that, that it was going to be a successful business. And one thing I did do that was a turning point 
when I was starting out building the business was I truly made peace with failure. So I sort of said to myself, you know what, I would rather do this and fail than not do it at all and let somebody else do it. So it was incredible the power that it, that gave me when I went, you know what, I'm just going to give this my best shot and if I stuff it up, I stuff it up, but at least I can say I gave it my best shot. And as soon as I sort of slipped into that mindset, then I just never, ever thought about it not working again. Well, it's so funny. It is a matter of identifying what's going to keep me up at night. Is it going to be when I when I see on TV that someone else did my idea, is it going to be when I fail at trying to do this idea? Or is it going to be, I think for a lot of moms listening out there, is it going to be the mom guilt of, did I take myself away from this moment in my child's life? Um, Which so, they don't remember, by the well, way. Well, tell us about that. Cause I think that's so, I'll tell people the story of how I became obsessed with you, even, you know, beyond the blankets in a second, but tell everybody a little bit about, I mean, you're, so you had your four before you even began this business or you only had, no, I two? was having only them while three. I was, <laughs> well, it was, the idea came about when I had a nay, then I had Ludes and, by the time I had Lulu, uh, I had prototypes because I remember I took them to the hospital. They oh, were wow. all born in Mount Sinai and the nurses were going gaga over it because I was wrapping Ludes in the, the muslin rather than the hospital blankets. And the nurses were swiping them, so I knew I was onto something <laughs> there. <laughs> um, and then uh, I was... I was still working with my business partner who I ended up buying out when Arin was born, our third daughter. That was in 2000 and she was born in 2007. And then Armily Rose came once it was a real company sort of thing, like we had an office and she came along in 2010. So I was having the girls as I was building the business, but... When I had the idea and, and started it, it was just an A. So day one, you have a toddler at home. Yep. And you're thinking, I have this idea and I need it in my life. Mm -hmm. What did you do? I spent with Claudia, who was my ex-business partner. The first couple of years really were trying to work out how the hell to do it. You know, we, we'd, I'd, I'd had the idea because I introduced Claudia to the muslin because she had her son, Aiden. That's where the Aiden came from. Um, about, I, I think, again, about six months after I had a nay, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, we just started to try and work out how to make them because, you know, we'd never dealt with China or supply chains or anything like that. Initially, I tried to make them in America, but just wasn't happening. So it was a lot of research initially. And then when I actually said to my husband, I want to take some money out of the bank, that was when we'd already worked out how to make it, you know, develop the designs around it, that sort of thing. So, um, but that took three years from the idea to actually placing our first PO and putting it on the market. What about the size? So I'm always... Um, focused on the size of a swaddle blanket. So how did you come up with that perfect size? Because ones that are smaller, it's really hard to get a good swaddle. Right, yeah. yeah. But that, that was the key, right? I didn't come up with that. That was just the way they were. You know, so again, I didn't invent a muslin swaddling blanket. 
I just, they were very, very utilitarian in Australia though, just plain white. You bought them in cellophane packages. They were just, they were like nappies, wow. uh, diapers. So I just took, you know, people said, well, why did you do a four pack? Well, that was how I knew it from Australia. So you know, all the other products, the sleep sacks, the bibs, the thicker blankets. Hilary didn't know about the dream blanket. I don't. Oh, I no. still don't know about this okay. dream blanket, but I am going to find out about I it. Have to give, I have yes. to give this testimonial to everyone listening. My kids will not sleep without the Aiden and an A dream blanket. It is, um, it's a, a thicker sort of weighted muslin blanket, multiply it seems like, yes. or um, and it feels a little bit quilted and it's it is. I'm sure the adults have seen. Um, they're now they're sort of the adult version. I think they call it a gravity blanket. There is something very. It takes you back to the womb. It makes you feel very secure yeah. about having that little bit of weight, as opposed to just sleeping with a top sheet, for instance, with right. having that quilted feel. My kids are obsessed, and it's the perfect thing because we take it on planes. We take them, and you can ball they're them up the and feel like a pillow. You throw yeah. them in the wash and sanitize the crap out of those things. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're and good they come go. out fluffier and better. And you. It's amazing. Here's the hysterical story about how the dream blanket got created Americans just wouldn't believe me that a piece of muslin was enough to swaddle the baby regardless of the temperature outside so muslin is considered a summer product mm -hmm. in this you know not in all so we were seeing sales you know dip in the colder months so and I was so obsessed with only wrapping your baby in muslin that um I was trying to make a a winter version of a muslin swaddle. So I said to my manufacturer, can you do a double layer, a triple layer of, you know, send me. And so I was really trying to create a winter weight swaddle. Mm. And then they he sent me, you know, the five layers that eventually became the dream blanket because I was like, this is just a beautiful blanket. Can you make it an adult size now though? We do. What? Yes. Well, not we anymore. I know what I'm oh, getting, Daphne, for Christmas. That <laughs> um, so I have I'll to get you one. I, but, and that's, that is truly why we did it, because I was just getting so many emails from mothers saying, why don't you do this in a bigger size so we can use them? <laughs> so I did. Because they're the perfect travel blanket. You, if you're, I mean, if you're on a road trip or whatever and you want something in the car. They're the best. They're compact. Yeah, they're great. And what about the designs on them? How did so you come up with that? I am the most non-creative person you'll ever meet in your life like stick stick people as as you know as graphic as I can get but I'm very opinionated and I'm a very visual person when it comes to design aesthetic and everything so I was just very lucky that I found designers that was going to let a salesperson because that was what my background was dictate to them what I wanted the designs to be and I just designed all the original Aiden and A based on my taste. So our first girl pack was bright red and fuchsia pink, which doesn't seem like a big deal now, given the way the baby market has gone with design aesthetic and everything. But back then there was nothing like that. It was, it was still all baby pink. And chickens and ducks and <laughs> so not me, chickens and I ducks. I like the monkeys. I have a lot of the monkeys right. from you guys. Yeah. So that was that. That's the Jungle Jam pack, mm -hmm. which was for ten years the best-selling pack around the world. So interesting. Well, you guys can probably hear how um, how at ease Reagan is in herself, and I, I want to tell everyone. 
part of where I fell in love with you was I was listening to you on another podcast, actually, one of my favorites um, called How How I Built This. Right. And, um, you know, it's a podcast all about entrepreneurs and telling their story of how they built these incredible companies. And um, because the path to success is so bumpy and so windy and it's so easy to focus on, well, now she's this glamorous entrepreneur and she makes it look look easy. But what I was so struck by in that interview was how comfortable you were with vulnerability, how at ease you were with the fact that you weren't, you didn't come to the business as an expert or even as an entrepreneur, you know, historically, um, but you came with a great idea and a, a great deal of just self-knowledge. And what was I will, what was most magnetic to me was I was like, this woman just knows exactly who she is and she's so happy in that. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like a lot of the moms we hear from, it's really easy to lose your sense of identity in motherhood and mm-hmm. it's, and, and in businesses and, and in all the things that we want to do with our, our limited, you know, uh, 24 hours. So tell Tell us a little bit. Is it just an Australian thing? Like, where does this confidence come from, and I think how do you have the it in Aussie spades? thing? Plays into it a little bit. Yeah. You know, we're we're all pretty uh, self-deprecating and laid back in Australia. But look, the thing is, is all of us as as mums, we all just want to do the best we can, right? Like that. That's what we we want the best for our kids. We're doing the best we can. I haven't got a freaking clue. Like I joke and say no one gave me a, a manual of how the hell to take it. They handed me a nay and I remember saying to my husband a week after she was born, can we give it back? I actually <laughs> said that. And and he's like, to who, you crazy woman? You know, I'm like, I don't know, wherever the hell she came from, I've made a mistake. I don't know what I'm doing. I Benjamin Button. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a clue. I, I remember distinctly I was terrified to leave the living room when I had a nay, like let alone go out and function back. And I, re- I distinctly remember thinking, how do people have more than one of these? Like, what the hell, you know? And then, you know, and here four I am, later. four later, and I wanted more. And my husband's like, yeah, no, we shut this down. <laughs> Actually, it was my husband and my doctor who both of it was like an intervention. Well, they wanted you to leave the living room after all those years. Well, yes. <laughs> but I was fine. No, but by number two, you, you like calmed down a little I bit. I was better. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, gosh, you know, now I've got to chase after two now, of them. Now, did you have the – so my experience was – one to two was the hardest. Well, having one, I was the same. I didn't sleep the first week. I was a nightmare. Right. I just was so upset, and I was sure that she was going to die of SIDS. Right. And I was like, I had to watch her at all times. I even got sent to my room, and we used to have this, like, video thing on her, and, and they could hear me move on my phone. <laughs> like, literally oh. sending me to, right. to, to watch it there. My husband actually ended up breaking the thing, unsurprisingly. Accidental, but it was, like, the best accident <laughs> ever, and I never had anything in her room since. But um, then one to two was really hard, right? Because I'm like, oh God, I'm so, I'm disappointing this one, and then they do their whole acting out that they do when a new sibling comes, and then two to three was not so bad, and three to four, it's like nothing happened. It's true. nothing happened. It's, it's everything so is true. fine. I I say that look, the same thing when Anae was born, I was I wouldn't let that child out of my sight for ten seconds, you know. She never ate anything sweet till she was probably two and a half. You know, by the time Armley Rose came along, the kid had be gone for I don't know maybe an hour. 
And I'd say to my husband, where's the baby? And he'd be like, I don't know, you know, and she'd be up the end of the apartment, you know, in a closet chewing on a shoe, you know. What's her personality now? And that's what I was going to say. And, you know, the kid was sucking on lollipops at 10 months old because her older sisters were doing it. So And you can't say no. Exactly. So... And Amelie Rose is the most chilled. Like, I actually feel like I need to apologise to an A. You know, I want to be like, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. I know I f***ed you up. <laughs> we are. We're just experimenting. Yeah. The first ones are our, like, horrible science project. And yes. it's just like, does this work? Will this work? Am I totally going to f*** you up by right. doing it this way? It's so true. Um, and the answer is yes. But yes. you'll also mess all the other ones up, too. And they have the most photos, the first one. So that's <laughs> what you they make get. For They're documenting every single moment of their life. Well, and I think I think Anae is actually genuinely pissed off she's not an only child. Like, uh, she really, you know. She she's, is. She's like, Mommy, we had a good thing going with what exactly. you did. Exactly. You know, a dead giveaway. She refers to her sisters as the devil spawn. So. <laughs> Weird that you pick yeah, up on that. that. Yeah, you know, I don't, you get those subtle hints. You Hopefully know, that'll pass thing. as teenagers. I think so. it does. The teen years. But, you know, you just, you just do the best you can, right? Yeah. Like, but, but I do, you know, given and I given I have four girls, so, you know, you, you for the most part, comparing apples to apples, right. right? It's not like a boy thing, a girl thing, you know. But I do watch the difference, you know, in their personalities. And I do think... Uh, a part of that is how I mothered them. Yeah, their their lineup. Now, how how since you are such a confident person and you've been so successful, how do you pass that on to your girls? You know, my husband is a a real champion of this because you know I I deal with I hate being away from them when I'm working. You know, you as I say to people, you have to make peace with the fact that you're one person and there's only twenty four hours in the day. And that's a hard place to get to when you're trying to be the best mum you can be. And it goes without saying that if I didn't have a career, whether it was a business of my own or a, a job that I I was passionate about and wanted to go to every day, I could spend more time with the girls. And, you know, if I didn't have the girls, I would have been able to spend more time on my job. But I felt confident that I was, I, I know for sure that my daughters do not feel that they've been neglected by their mum. I'm, I'm very cognizant of giving them the time that they need. And, and as we were saying earlier, even more so now that they're, they're older, mm-hmm. they're, they're teenagers. So it was just, a, and, and I would feel bad about it. And my husband would say to me, are you kidding? He's like, just by doing you, you are teaching these girls yeah. lessons beyond anything you could sit down and tell them. You know, the fact that they can see that their mum is accomplishing what I was accomplishing on a business level and that I am very much there for them as their mum. You know, so he said, you don't need to tell them anything. They're, they're living it. Yeah, no, but I mean, everybody has their insecurities, um, oh, and not. they all have. No, not you. You're. you're I'm no, sure, no. Yes, I, we all do. We that'll be that'll be another yeah. another thing. But for your daughters, you know, as they are going through, you know, like for example, my my daughter Carmen is five, and she comes home and she has this issue with this one, or she's afraid of that, or you know, I mean, whatever happens, and I'm trying to use vocabulary and teach her lessons and stuff like that that is going to make her feel confident and right. be 
able to handle situations. And because you are such, you know, a force of nature and not only, you know, my, I remember my first day of college, the, the dean came and he said, you're going to find things that you're passionate about and you're going to find things that you're good at. The true lucky ones are going to find things that they're passionate and good at right. and they get to do that. And it really sounds like that is you. Yes. And how do you guide your girls through the normal ups and downs of childhood and give them that confidence? Is it is it purely by example or are there certain lessons and oh, tricks no. that, that we, you can we teach have, us, please? We have lots of talks. Um, look, one thing that I'm I really, really drum home to them is about having a kind heart. I know that sounds a bit, but but that to me is the key to everything. You know, if you're if you have a heart that's kind and you put that out, then you can't really go wrong. You know, um, and look, our second daughter was bullied at school, so we had to. Ugh, but but I I don't even know what I'm going to do when we get to that age. It's awful. because well, I'm I feel like I my instinct is like I want to go. You know, oh yeah, and smack the kid upside. Do the some head. damage on I the know, playground, right. but like, you can't. No, as an you adult. Can't. You can't. <laughs> and you just have to support them. And it was more about sort of saying to Lourdes, look, you're a beautiful person. You're a good person. You're kind. You're respectful. You're you're all of those things. It's this other person that has the issue, Lulu, not you. And you have to try and, you know, remember that when they're putting their stuff onto you. You know, I've always spoken very, um, in a very adult way to the girls. Mm-hmm. I never sort of tried to dumb it down for them as kids, even when they were little kids, you know, and I think that's eventually starts them. to sink in. Yeah, that's yes. what I find to be so hard is as I'm, I mean, Carmen has experienced some bullying at school. And one one of the things that is so such a struggle is trying to give them perspective because right. oh, I yeah. know that they feel it and they need to feel it and they need to be passionate about it. But, you know, and I say, well, you know, if this friend is not nice to you every single day, maybe you want to go and play with the other friends a little bit more. Yep. And she's like, but this one's so cool because I of know. this and this and this. She had one one person say to her, I, you know, the only thing that's going to make me feel better is if you don't come back to school tomorrow. For one whole day. I mean, this is like five-year-old speak. But it, that's like such a mean oh. thing to say. And I'm trying to guide her through this and say, you know, you, the other person's not bad. And they're also five. You know what I mean? Everybody right, right. says, I've said mean things in right. my life. Right. You know, um, and... And so, and I, you know, I, I do something similar to what you're saying is, you know, Carmen was talking about the prettiest and all that whole thing that you get into with girls. And I said, look, everybody is the same pretty. Right. That's what's amazing. You know, I'm looking over, you have blue eyes, you have green eyes, Daphne. I have brown eyes. That's really cool. Like we all have different color eyes and we all have different kind of hair and that's amazing. And there is no one beautiful. I said, the only thing that makes you not beautiful is if you're truly, truly unkind, not you make unkind things or you no. have these moments or whatever but if you really are unkind I said it's all from within and again this sounds hippy dippy but I'm a yoga no, teacher no. so I'm gonna go with it and I totally <laughs> I totally no, believe but it's it. right and if if more parents you know parented like that 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 it was about what's in your heart what you are on the inside not about the outside and especially with girls actually on the weekend I watched this amazing documentary mm-hmm. by an Aussie girl I forget Cameron, someone, it's called um, Embrace. And it's about, you know, body image and yeah. everything that the, it's amazing. And I am going to sit down with Anae and Ludes and definitely watch it amazing. with them. And it's really about the fact that with 
all of the media that's coming at us and all the beauty, which nine times out of ten isn't real beauty. Yeah. Like, you know, even me, who's a nobody, I've seen photos of me taking, I'm like, I don't even look like that. <laughs> you know, I look like some alien being, you know, and I keep saying to the girls, it's not real, yeah. you know, but they're being bombarded with it. So I just always try and go back to it's all about what comes from the inside. That's that's what real beauty is and that's what is going to get you far in life, you know. I think we've talked about that a few times, just about how how to teach kids to value their opinion of themselves. Right. To value their perspective on something or their perception of something and how to teach them because I mean, it's so interesting listening to you try to give Carmen perspective because it does, on the one hand their world is so big because everything is new and every input is given equal weight because of that which makes their world actually very small because the one thing that nasty one five-year-old says on the one bad off day right. can be as significant to them as all the good things you've ever Huge. said to them or all the good things anyone's ever said to them and I feel like you know, is there is there something you found since you do have have you know girls at a at a further along age than we do? Is there something you found that has given them you know one one piece of advice you've given them that has helped them have that uh, inner sense of it's my opinion that counts? It's actually not the one piece of advice. It's the constant reassurance yeah. and re. So it is kind of like a broken record situation. I say the same thing to them over and over again because, you know, they're coming home with different experiences and, you know, and and again, the body image thing, it's, you know, they're all they're all. It's hard as adults girls. to deal with that, let alone as a teenager. And I try and be very cognizant myself, you know, of what I say and how I act. It, it's hard though, you know. Um, so I don't think it's one piece of advice as much as it is, just constantly consistency reassuring them and the same message and you know supporting them because it's really freaking hard being a teenage girl especially with yeah. with um social media i mean oh. i i was on instagram yesterday and i'm not going to name the name of an app and an app a sponsored app came up and it's showing you how either like, do you see how your friends, um, like why do your friend's selfies look so good? And then it's showing how they can press different things and like make like the eyebrows and the eyes and all oh, the like lips and stuff oh, like that wow. be better. Oh and I'm thinking, okay, so we went from a place where some people were airbrushed and then we could be like, oh, well, those are models and they, you know, they would show how like they make like the necks thinner and the legs thinner and stuff like that. And then there are, obviously you can do things, you know, like Botox and fillers and stuff like that too augment and do certain things to change your appearance and then you get to a place where it's not even real and the average person is bombarding you with photos that are just completely altered and then it's like well I mean I don't wear a lot of makeup on an average day because I feel like it is it it improves my self-esteem because when I wash my face at the end of the night I want to see kind of the same person that was there a couple minutes before and that and also I want to show that to my children as well like hey I'm me I mean I went to work today and I have makeup on and my hair is all done and stuff like that and it's fun to do that sometimes but then I on the average day I want to see me right and you know that's what we have to teach our children is that I mean how it seems like 90% of what they're bombarded with is not real no and that's too much pressure. Too much and pressure. And that's why, as shitty as it is, you need to start talking to your daughters and, and your boys on a different level 
at five. Like that's the world we live in. But I really believe that if the message is, you know, constant and there, then they'll form the the confidence. Look, especially Anae and Ludes, because they're the teenagers, they have their bad days, plenty of them, you know. Um, but they are confident girls, you know. They're, they're, I know that we are raising girls that are going to turn into women that are going to be totally fine. Like no one is going to be taking advantage of the Moya girls. <laughs> I just know I'm, well, that. Well, your husband is Venezuelan or? He's Chilean. 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 Yeah. So I feel like they're getting like ferocity from both sides. I love and it And you're so raising much. American girls. So this is what's so interesting. That's what's so house, interesting. Yeah. So how is it raising children in a country with a culture that is it's different. very different it from where the two of you guys different. came from? But we are we're instilling the values that are important to us. Like we are mental people when it comes to manners. Like even from the time that they were little, if I went to hand the girls something and they just didn't say thank you and they took it, I just wouldn't let it go. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> so to get and, to like a time. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah. So they just held it and I'd just look at them and they'd be like, oh, thank you, money, or gracias or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and the, one of the things that I can honestly say I'm most proud of more than building a $100 million global business is the fact that whenever our daughters go to someone's home or see, without fail, the parents always say to me, I've never met more well-mannered, a more well-mannered child in my life. And I'm very, very proud of that. I think we um, have a tendency to think that that's, that's like a nice to have thing, like a manners. It is Absolutely. It will serve your children so in well. every single element. Of, it will, first of all, it gives them so much confidence because they're not sitting at the table being like, which of these utensils do I yes. use? Or, and, and I'm a stickler I, for that. I, the and way I, they eat. Oh, yeah. And knife and fork. like all the, And they think I'm the biggest pain in the ass. No, but, but I've heard people who have taken people on job interviews and not given them the job because they... Because their table manners were bad. Not even like, not even just they didn't know how to eat properly, or you know they chewed with their mouth open or whatever. But they were rude to the wait staff, right. or they were. I mean, oh, you learn so much about about, and it's a it's a shame because so many so many people just never were taught. But people will judge them for that, right? And, and um, and so absolutely, we play the manners game all the time. It's it was so. Important. I grew up on the manners game, and right. as a hugely competitive person, it was like it would kill me when I got dinged for you know not having my napkin on my lap. And you can time. you can tell that, like you know, I don't know yeah. you very well, yeah. but you know, I instantly knew the person you were, and that is a testament to your mum and dad. Absolutely. You know, and it's 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 so that I think it's funny the girls are mortified because. They literally prep their friends before they come to our apartment. <laughs> They're like, look, mum's really scary with the man, you know, because when the kid, other kids are in my home, I expect what I expect of my kids, right. I'm take no prisoners. So if they're having dinner at my house and they're not saying please and thank you. And How about if not... they start eating before you and your husband have sat down? My husband does that. It drives, it drives me, me nuts. nuts. And I'll have cooked like this amazing <laughs> right. thing. And he goes in and I like, I mean, in Spain, like you put like everything all beautifully right, laid out. And, and every, like, it's like perfect. Like every single tomato is exactly where it should be. And then he goes and like grabs some of them. I'm like, no, 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 but it's yeah, but but you know, I will say to these kids, you know, what do you say? You know, I'm just like, and it it makes me sad because it's not the kids' fault. Uh, exactly, it's exactly. It's the parents' fault for not teaching them 
Right that being from said, wrong. you can still be a good influence. I mean, like that whole is a whole nother discussion. Like, how much can you parent other kids? But I remember, you know, growing up, like going to people's houses and like being inspired or completely like, oh, oh we don't do that kind of thing. You know, be, and it is such an, a profound memory for kids. So they probably will take it and be like, wow, you know what? That's kind of cool. My friend, you know, is is like well, when this, they I'm come back, they remember. This. They remember. You better <laughs> they, believe they it. Don't make because they're, they're sponges. It's not hard to, you know, dare I say, train a child to be well-mannered or to eat properly or to understand right from wrong. It's just consistency. Eating. Did you have picky eaters? Did you have kids who would eat whatever you put in front of them? Have. 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 Well, Anae announced to me at seven she was a vegetarian because, and I quote, she didn't want to be the top of the food chain. That's what she said to me. At seven. And I did that at five, by oh, the really? way. Yes, so I have a lot of compassion for her. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm on her side. But but she but she doesn't eat enough of the healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's a constant battle, you know, constant battle with her and I because I'm fine with the well, I'm actually not fine with the I want her to have the lean protein yeah. and everything. Um but th- that's frustrating. Ludes also a crazy animal lover. You know, and again, this is where it drives me insane with the internet because, again, I was having an argument with Ludes the other night because she said, I want to be a vegan. I said, babe, I can't, no, like, no, I can't cook vegetarian, no, ve- I'm not a vegan, I don't understand it, like, you know. Um, and she's like, but, you know, all these things I see, mum, I don't, you know, and, and I get it, they're passionate kids, you know, and... Um, and I said to her, well, look, I know that if I saw what you've seen, I wouldn't eat meat either. And she looks at me and she goes, well, doesn't that make you a hypocrite, mum? <laughs> I'm like, actually, it does. Yeah. But, but you're still eating that piece of fish. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know. So, so yes, the food thing is still um, a battle in our house, but not for because they don't want to eat their Broccoli, it's because they're Ooh, crazy. Broccoli. Know, that sounds way more interesting than broccoli. <laughs> I think we're going to say that now. Hey, kids, here's what you have oh, for dinner get, you know, Broccoli, parmesan, like all these words. The girls are like, Mum, you live aluminium. in right, aluminium. There's actually an extra I in it. Did you know that? It's no, spelt differently. Yeah, That's no, why it's pronounced differently. I never it. knew that. I wonder now, though, you're making me think maybe there's a maybe there's like a, a cookbook or a website or something. I know a lot of people who have kids who have have and you want to you want to engage and foster their passion um and they come home and they tell you they're vegan and you, the parents response is well then you're welcome to cook for yourself i'm not making right. a whole separate meal commit to your passion don't just have passion in yeah. a vacuum I, and it's i think it's a beautiful it thing is, it's though great. i mean that's Look, what i so, do too it's so, i'm so not sweet and no? hopefully ludes will never hear this because <laughs> <laughs> i actually am proud of her for that yeah. i agree with it but I'm not going to lie. I'm hanging on by a thread. Right. right. I, I, I'm just like, I can't have the vegetarian, the vegan, the this one, <laughs> the that one. I, I can't. Yeah. Because, you know, when I grew up, my mother put the meal on the table. You ate every mouthful of it or you weren't allowed to leave the table. Mm-hmm. And that was just the way it was. There was no, oh, I don't eat that. I don't eat this. So you just got the meal that you got and... You were grateful for it, you know. You created strong women. Are you surprised? <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? Speaking of strong women, let's talk about transitions for a second because you've left Aiden and A and you've just put out this amazing book. Well, I didn't leave. I got fired. So you got fired from yes. Aiden and A, the company you started. I know. Um, 
and hopefully the company you still walked away with a huge paycheck from. <laughs> so so no, no one cry. No well, one cry for well, it. Yes, I, it was but, all good. Like I made good. a lot of money. However, I still have a lot of money in the invested business. in it, which kills me because I no longer have a say in it. Yeah. So, so talk to people, tell people about the book and and the title and why you wanted to write it. And then talk about that transition out away from a huge passion and how to sort of devise what comes next. Well, I, um, as I said, I got fired in March and that was, I sold the majority share of my business to an investor in 2013. So we'd been working together for about four years and it just became obvious that they had a very different idea of the way they wanted the business to go than what I did. And given that I was the founder and it had my daughter's name on it, I felt very passionate about staying true to what authentically I always envisaged Aiden and an A to B. And that was just, I. it was obvious I wasn't winning that battle. And you've clearly worked out I'm no shrinking violet. So I was very vocal about the fact that I thought they didn't know what the hell they were doing and it just became a horrible, you know, situation. And they had the controlling interest, so they got to fire me. So that was obviously horrendous and I fell into a pretty big hole, um, consumed my body weight about 48 times over in champagne over the course of six months to cope. So, but but it is very hard when you're watching from afar something that you built from scratch that you no longer have yeah. any say in, like no say in it at all. So um, there was definitely, you know, I would liken it to a grieving process, I think, you know, um, made all the more difficult by the fact that I still have a very large amount of money invested in it and it still has my daughter's name on the door, you know. Right. So, but it is what it is and, you know, there's nothing I can do about it except push through. So interestingly, I'd been writing this book for two years and, you know, I was approached to write the book and my initial reaction was like, I don't have a story to tell, you know, and and my agent who approached me said, I think you do. And, um, and then the next thing I said, well, I have a pretty full-on day job, so I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to write a book. But then they got me a wonderful ghostwriter and we wrote it together. So once I got fired, I had to rewrite the end of the book. So it's been a, a very laborious process. So the book's called What It Takes and uh, it's being published by Penguin in the US, Australia and the UK in May of next year. And it's it's really a book that is hopefully extremely motivating to women. I talk a lot about the fact that I know I appear very confident, but there was a whole lot of wobbly moments through it. I was, I'm very honest in the book. You know, I don't try and paint a, you know, a perfect picture. I tell the truth. You know, the underlying story I would say is, you know, if the the Aussie university dropout can start a business from her kitchen table and turn it into a $100 million global brand, anyone can do it. And I really believe that because it's not about who you know or what you know. It's about how much you believe in it and how hard you're prepared to work for it. I really, truly believe that. Um, and then I also, it ended up being a, a project in that I did a lot of research on what we're up against as women to actually 
start a business and build a business and be taken seriously, not just in your own entrepreneurial business, but business in general. Like the UN in 2017, I think it was, um, you know, did a study and announced that there there'll be no gender parity in the world until 2133. Oh my gosh. Like, that's just not good enough. It's ridiculous. So anyway. That's not even in our daughter's lifetime. I mean, that's correct. insane. Correct. Um, so, so I put a lot of research into the book as well because I thought, you know, who's going to listen to the crazy Aussie sort of thing? Everyone. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is a lot in there that, and it, it is mind-blowing some of the statistics when I really dug in of what we're up against and how much harder we have to work to be successful. And that needs to change. Sounds inspiring. And you have worked hard. And now hopefully you have a few a few moments to collect yourself. And and I, we have to let you go, I know. But just tell everyone. We, we want your favorite thing, the thing that's changing your life right now okay. that you can recommend. And what you would do on a perfect off day to, to some me time. Okay. So I haven't stopped there. Like I need to get the plug in for my new business yes. because oh, I tell me uh, everything. Yes. yes. So you guys are going to laugh hard at this, but there is like more um, similarities to Aiden and A and the baby blanket business to this new business. So I've started a company called Saint Luna, and it's actually a premium moonshine business. <laughs> no way. <laughs> way. And it's we're sort of turning the moonshine category on okay, its head. I need head. to know what moonshine is because it's I'm like, always the one who's like left out. It's a grain alcohol <laughs> that kind of came about in the prohibition. See, that's I'm not super, cool enough. That's you know, more time in Brooklyn, high. you'll finally. Oh, you'll my finally God, I try. Know I come in my. See, it's because I'm wearing a dress today. <laughs> I literally, awesome I like, I, I was wearing sweatpants the other day, and people were commenting on it. So I wore a dress today, and when I wear a dress, I don't know things. Okay. <laughs> Blame it on my outfit. So yeah, but oh, um, this is fun. it's it's a fabulous story. I'll try and tell it really quick, but it's definitely worth telling. So, I I always made a habit of going to all the factories that made anything Aiden and A. We have a skincare range that I made in the U.S. because I was never going to make skincare for babies in China. So, uh, we had a new factory. It was in Tennessee. Um, and I had to go down there to check on the, you know, the production for the skincare. So about three months prior to that, my business, he's now my business partner in St. Luna. He was the COO of Aiden and Nay. We used to work together at The Economist. So we've worked together for a very long time, David. And um, he came to me randomly about three years ago and said to me, Rags, I've got an idea for our next business. And I said, yeah. And he goes, moonshine. I was like, okay, you weirdo. Like, moonshine? What? He goes, no, it's an unsaturated liquor category. You know, I think there's something there. And I said, well, but isn't that for people with no teeth and <laughs> who wear overalls? And I know I'm probably going to be in a lot of trouble with people from the South who are very pat. But you, if you, like, there's a show called The Moonshiners, yeah. and that's very much it. You know, they're mixing up the... In the ground. The, yes. Like, like yeah. It's Appalachian so, and exactly and you know. no, but 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 you're right. It was originally created. First of all, it's in like a hundred proof green alcohol. I mean, you literally need one sip it's and like you are just rocket fuel. done for the yes. night. Um, which could be interesting to see how you market this in volume. Yes, <laughs> but go on. So tell me. So, the so rest of the anyway, um, so I initially dismissed it, and then about a week later, I'd given it more thought, and I thought, you know what? 
it is an unsaturated category. And what if I turned it on its head, like I turned muslin on its head, because muslin was very utilitarian and plain and everything. What if we elevated moonshine? And so I went back to David and said, look, given it some more thought, I definitely feel like I can build a brand around it. But the key is it'd have to be the best tasting moonshine you've ever drunk. And we haven't got a freaking clue how to make moonshine. So, you know, (laughs) so let's just sell some more swaddles and table that. So anyway, fast forward to my trip to Memphis and I'm talking to the guy who's doing the production for our uh, skincare and I'm talking to him and I said, so what exactly are you, you know, like, and he goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer. And I said, oh, interesting. I said, I'm married to an engineer. My brother and sister-in-law are chemical engineers. I said, they're in the petroleum business. I said, so what, is soap your passion? And he goes, no, Reagan. Soap is my day job. He said, moonshine is my passion. <gasps> no. And I literally, it was just such Electric. a slap oh. in the face. My, I was just like, I looked for hidden cameras, you know. <laughs> and um, turns out he'd been perfecting a recipe. Wow. You know, the, the old-fashioned way on his back porch. And he'd created this incredible recipe that's sort of uh, molasses and rye-based, charcoal-filtered. So, mm. you know, I was drinking it directly off the still at 160 proof, and it was smooth as And silk. after drinking it, you felt like that was a great idea. Yes. <laughs> She's like, well, yes. Well, well, it, I will put all, all my money into this business. <laughs> yes. Where I, do I write the check to? It's true. And I, I joke and I say, like, the tagline should be from babies to booze, right? And, no, but and anyone she, who's a mother totally gets that. Right. Like, you were so focused that, on, like, the perfect swaddle, and yes. now they're teenagers, and right. you're like, please, <laughs> I need a drink. And a really strong one. Right, because so, you yeah. historically oh. are only a champagne lady. Champagne and wine. Oh, champagne. So it's oh, not, yes. yeah. So, oh, maybe tonight maybe there's hope for me because I'm that kind of person so what's your what's your favorite thing give us give us so we on here we do this thing about favorite things see if I can explain it better Mm -hmm. than I did the other day because I didn't do a very good job so like you know it'll be like your favorite face cream that you're using or your favorite um, pair of shoes or your favorite baby product or your favorite liquor um any any of these things what what is that one thing that's your your favorite something you're doing right now that that is that is important for you in your Oh, well, I'm going to sound like the most shallow human we being on it. earth if it. I tell you the no truth. Judgments oh, no judgments here. Well, <laughs> it, it, it would probably be Runar champagne, which I consume too much of. But That's your it favorite. always makes me feel good. Oh. And I'm just one of those people that do, doesn't believe that you have to wait for a special occasion to, um, you know... Drink I've gotten more champagne. into drinking every champagne, everything with bubbles, and it just like it just makes you feel like it's just a little fancy. It is. It's, it's like let's it's just fun. celebrate life every day. Oh, I love that favorite and then, thing. And then in terms of indulgence, Tequila on the rocks does that for me. There you go. There, <laughs> you, lots of lime you juice. are you are going to love our moonshine. I can't Daphne. wait to try if it. If you like tequila, you're going to love the Saint Luna. I can't wait to try but, it. Um, and then. Uh, Actually, someone I met at a, a function, a women's function, um, she she sat next to me. She stole my champagne, actually. That's how we started to talk. I'm like, did you just take my drink? And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, this lovely English girl. Her name's Georgia Louise, and she does facials. She has a salon, you know. It turns out she's the facialist to the stars, you know. Oh. Um, I'm surprised you girls haven't been there. You yeah, need to look her, her info. up. Um, Georgia Louise. So a facial at Georgia Louise is a life-altering experience. Oh. 
Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get myself a nice little little pop of champagne. Maybe throw a little yeah, there you Saint go. Luna in there. This would have been, been the this would have been to bring that no. alcohol. So Laurie and I keep trying to figure out how to get to drink with our guests. Yes, and, we're like, and we haven't. It hasn't been appropriate. But <laughs> we, had we known this about you, we're gonna have to have Could you, you back. Keep us in stock with Saint Luna, and then I, yeah. oh, how about how about Saint Luna's? You know, sponsors. Fantastic. We're Dad, in business. That's where, where can we sign? Well, thank you so much. Megan, so thank lovely you. to be for, here. For thank you. And, um, and we're looking for, I want to try this moonshine. I don't know if that's a good idea. So St. Luna, her moonshine and her new book. Tell us the title one more time. What It Takes. What It and Takes. And you know what? I'll send you guys a care package with a bottle of uh, St. Luna. Actually, is that even legal? If, <laughs> if there's a lawyer out there, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing um, Nor that. We'll and, part, is there, and, the, and the adult dream blanket. Lovely. So I'll make oh, sure you. get get you both of, ah, both so of those. We're thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> this is a fact. Well, that was absolutely amazing. I mean, these blankets are such a part of my everyday life. I love that you can clean them easily. And, you know, every single time the baby, you know, throws up on it, spit up, I should say, spits up on or poops on them. You can just throw them in the wash. So she really has, you know, been a part of my home. And it's amazing to have been able to talk with her. Um, and I also love that it's like she's a champagne drinker, that every day should be a day, maybe not every day, but like a day should be a celebration, celebrating life. Something I've always felt really just amazed by about Reagan and in love with in many ways is she's so comfortable being her. And to that point, Very she open. doesn't apologize. She wants to drink ruin our champagne every single damn day. And she's earned it. This is a woman who, again, and as as someone who every once in a while tinkers with the idea of, you know, starting different companies. And, and I feel like I have this entrepreneurial itch to scratch in that way. And at the same time, you know, I'm terrified by elements of it. She's been so open about the fact that she wasn't an expert going into this business. She was just a mom who knew that this sort of baby blanket had been part of how she was raised, part of how every Australian baby was raised, apparently, and that American mothers would really benefit from having like you said it's it's to clean up messes it's to cover you it's a great nursing yeah, oh cover yes, very much i also love hearing about the arc of her career you know she talked totally. she really is very um you know, conscious of, of the decisions that she made and, and just sort of her path. You know, she talks about how she began and then she, you know, talks about it very pretty openly of the, sort of the trauma, the trauma of no longer being part of Aiden and Nene and how that is difficult and how she coped. And then we're seeing her at this really special time where she's picking herself back up and she's going off and being an author and she's going off and, and starting this amazing St. Luna um, moonshine business. So so it's, it's amazing, and I'm really excited to see where she goes. And now it's time for our favorite things. Um, so my favorite thing that I want to share with you is the RX bar. Um, I am a big snacker because I don't often have time to sit down and have a full meal until the kids are sleeping. Um, one day I won't be eating like that. I'm not endorsing eating like that, but that is the reality of my life right now. Um, and But I'm always trying to eat a lot of like really good fats and I want it to taste good and um, I kind of get excited for it because it feels a little bit dirty, but I'm able to you know eat it not as a dessert. So I'm really into the RX bar right now. It's got 12 grams of protein. Um, and then it's it's that bar that you see where it says three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates, 
and no BS. And then like the recipe changes a little bit with it. I really like the chocolate chip one. Um, I also like the coconut chocolate. I like chocolate. I'm sure that you've heard me talk about that before. Um, so that is my favorite thing right now. I love those bars too. And you actually turned me on to, I'm a chocolate fanatic too. I would never in my life have picked up the berry flavored one. I brought that for you because it was the only one there. Daphne wanted some snacks, and so I brought that snack. But let me tell you something. Well, we should backpedal and just say that Hilaria <laughs> finally leaves her four children at home and then ends up having to feed me. I'm, a, I'm always ridiculous. a mother. I'm always a mother. And I always, if you're hanging out with me and you ever need like a beverage or a snack, just ask me to open my bag. I hate being hungry. So I, I'm like a, I'm like a squirrel in so many ways. I always have like snacks and drinks. She's always stocked. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, she brought me the berry flavor. And and it was divine. It tasted like an adult fruit roll-up. Mm-hmm. So I was blown away. But I'm excited to try chocolate and, and chocolate chip and coconut chip. So I'm looking for the exact model because I want to share it with you guys. I want to talk about, since Reagan's, you know, one of my fancy ladies and, and she likes a good glam just like I do, um, I'm going to share my favorite strip lash. You guys ask me about these all the time because I do my little beauty tutorials on Instagram and I have fun with them. I'm not a professional makeup artist. I just am obsessed with makeup and obsessed with making myself look and feel alive with a few little beauty hacks and tricks that I have up my sleeve um, that I've been sharing with you guys. Anyway, so a demi strip lash that I use... um, I have big eyes and they're they're kind of almondy shape but they they you know go down at the end a little bit and I like to try to artificially lift them up with a combination of eyeliner the way that I do my mascara and then also the way that I put my lashes on and it gives this illusion of a slightly more upturned cat eye um, that still you know I still keep very light and sort of natural looking ish <laughs> um, and anyway so what's worked very well for me are something called a demi lash which is basically a half lash that goes from the center of your lid out to the side and you can really lift it up a little bit and I, I my trick is I don't fully attach it to the final few lashes at the edge of my eye and that really allows it to lift and stay up and I'm looking for the specific model I want to say so as you're doing that I want to I want to talk to you a little yes, bit about please, this while I look it so up. I think one of the most important things I know whenever I wear fake eyelashes mm-hmm. which is like fewer and fewer days out of my life because actually very rarely I do just because I'm just tired and I've become like I'm turning into that mom. Um, but um, is that you do want to, I find that I have to line first before I put the lash. Oh, absolutely. And then you really want to make sure to make it look natural that any space where you could see like the na- the line of the eyeliner and the lash needs to always be dark. So if you have a space of it and you have it, then it can look fake. And so if you want to blend it in, it's really important. So I line first then I put the lash on and then I line on top of it. That's exactly what I do. And that way you seal the glue also so that you don't have any. It's all about making it look like it could be your real lashes. Be. And to be honest, sometimes I look at you. So I get to sit next to Daphne all the time. <laughs> I'm looking and I'm like, does she have them on today? Are they or are they just her amazing <laughs> lashes? Then the other thing that I want to talk about, because you're talking about the half lash thing. Yes. Is you want to make sure that it blends into the the 
first lashes that are your natural lashes, which means that you might have to trim the lash a little bit, correct? So, n- incorrect. Not with this one. That's oh. what I'm telling ah. you about here. Oh, excellent. So I'm going to flip this around and show Laura. That's exactly Ooh. what I mean. Because, because yes, if That's you, my favorite brand too. So if you, so, okay, okay, guys, get ready for it. It's mine and Hilary's <laughs> favorite brand of, of strip lashes. They're by Ardell, A-R-D-E-L-L. They're called Accent Lashes. And that's why I was saying you don't have to trim these at all. Because yeah, if you get the, so if you get the full strip lashes that are supposed to go over your entire lid, for me, they make me tired Look, and looking. And they also, yeah, they, they make close you close your, your eye. eye off a lot. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so the beauty of these ones is they, part of why I, they're, they're called accent lashes, I was calling them demi, is they're only half. So they're basically from the middle of your eye out to the edge as opposed to the entire arc. And what that does, again, is allows me to angle it so my eyes angle up and it fills in my lashes where I need them filled in and where I want them to look very fluffy and lush and doe-eyed, but not at the center and sort of towards your nose where it makes you feel tired and like your eyes are closing. So the number that you're going to look for is the 318 Black Ardell Accent Lashes. I get mine on Amazon. You can also order them in bulk and then you get them more uh, And this brand also can it will may sell at your local drugstore. I have found these oh, for sure. at like a CVS, Dwayne Reed like kind of Rickies, places. Mm-hmm. Yep, but yep. I order everything off Amazon. Me so too I just at this point. But I do remember that when I, you know, when I used to go to more red carpet events and stuff like that where I would, you know, put lashes on. The other kind of thing I really like, um, and this does require a little bit more experience, but when I, whenever I do lashes and I do them on myself, I often use the individual, the individual ones because they do look so much more natural. Now, the, the glue that you use, I found... That if you use the dark glue, yeah. it looks much more natural, at least for me. I used to use the white, the clear, all that kind of stuff. I find that the dark glue, it kind of blends into your eyeliner. I'm with you. And then the other thing that you really want to make sure is that you're not using too much glue. That really is the trick with fake lashes is that you some people, like at the beginning, okay, some people, meaning myself, <laughs> um, at the beginning when I started using lashes, I would like like more glue, the better it'll stick on because there's nothing worse than when that person is like walking around the eyelashes like, like half, one like flapping fly. off. Yeah. Yes. Um, so if you, you know, just put a teeny, 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 tiny dot of it, um, it actually will go a long way. And then, you know, the other thing is if you are going to do these individual ones, you know, if you... Um, if you mascara first, I find that it creates a shelf for it as well. Do you find that too? I, yeah. So my so my process is eyeshadow, eyeliner, smudge eyeliner, mascara, lashes on, squeeze lashes into mascara, mm-hmm. and then I actually don't do another coat of mascara. Sometimes makeup artists want me to, but it it looks a lot. It, it looks, looks like a lot, yeah. and then it can get kind of clumpy. But then eyeliner on top of that, just if you I, need to it, seal it in. Just if you need it, and that's when I'll do sometimes a liquid liner just to make it very black right mm-hmm. along the lash line, and then it kind of like blends into mm-hmm. it as well. Oh my gosh! That's your beauty tutorial for the day, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, to Mom Brain. Who knew that eyelashes could be so fun? I'm they sorry, really are. They are like the greatest. The um, gr- if you're you feeling really beat the, down, have you ever done that? Do the lashes that um the professional like, yes, done lashes. I, have. I haven't. I heard that it makes your eyelashes fall out. They made my. So I've done it twice and. Both times when I've had the um, lash extensions, the professional ones that are mm. on for, you know, a couple months in theory, I wake up every morning and I'm like, hot damn, this is the greatest invention of all right. time. I wake up, I don't even need to do my makeup. Your lashes are always lush and dark and beautiful and they frame your face and the whole thing. And then they start falling out and it looks like you're like just balding. And it's also just a horrible 
um, a horrible come down from like having these Bambi lashes right. to all of a sudden so, by the time they've all fallen one out, eyelash. you want and you always have this like one hanger on, which is so fr- and you're like trying to pull it out. And it, there's no pain like pulling out your own eyelash. It's horrible. <laughs> so in any case, the point is it did. It made my eyelashes not only fall out and grow sparse, but then when they grew back in, they grew all like wonky and not in a good pattern. It took me forever to get my lashes to come back and grow normally. So I I now just, I, I wish I could go back to them. And once they maybe develop a glue that isn't so harsh or, you know, dip, damaging to your actual root lash, then maybe I'll go back to it because I do love the I way know, they I'm look. I'm always so jealous of people when I look at them and I'm like, oh, you got your lashes done. And I've never been brave enough because I'm always so afraid. Like anything that is going to hurt what I naturally have like some eyelashes that always frightens me. I've heard of revitalash and all of these kinds of things. I haven't I tried any of those. I, I haven't know. tried. Although I know people. But you who have, have brown eyes. I get nervous because with green eyes, they say it's going to dye your eyes. Um, if you have light eyes, it'll dye your it eyes brown. A different color. Interesting. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I, I so far like I've been pregnant and breastfeeding for six years. Well, so that like too. Not doing that <laughs> right now. But I have seen that it looks really good on people who have who have done it. The one thing I will say, a lot of my mom friends have done that they love is a lash lift. So mm. it's kind of like a perm for your lash and it um it just you know curls it. it curls it up it makes it look like you've used a lash curler but not but a very beautiful um smooth curl and arc i might try that is that like it's but it is like a perm yeah perm effect but it's not like extra lashes it's not extra lashes they give you what you got and then you can do a little lash tint because my lashes are pretty long but they're straight kind of light okay Cal's okay. telling us we gotta Cal wrap it up are we're you talking guys bored? too much I'm not about bored. lashes yeah, I, I think like everybody, this is interesting I do I think we can have a whole episode just about Cal, just you wait for the influx really of emails guys yes. if you really wanted to hear more about lashes and tell you're Cal, sad that we're cutting Cal, it off he's wrong email us at mombrainpod at gmail.com Cal's wife I know you're out there in the subject just be like no Cal no Cal let them talk about lashes Anyone who wants to see us apply lashes to Cal in the next episode so we can show you how it's done, that would be super fun. Uh, Thank you, guys. Bye. But also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Five star. (laughs) This is Mom Brain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group production.